to Matthew Murray's work and, and his, uh, what he did as a scientist. These people have shaped the world in which we live. And that's partly why history is so important, to know, you know, what, what brought us to this point, you know, especially as American history, as Americans, you know, why are we, why do we have the freedoms we have? How, how did we get here? Um, but, you know, they turned their worlds upside down. And in effect, human history, right, the, the course of human history has been changed in, in part because of what these people did. Now, we come to this passage here, and these, these, these men here, Paul and Silas, are being accused of turning the world upside down. It says, the, the accusation against them is that these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Now, they say come here also because Paul and Silas have been traveling around preaching in different areas, and so now here they are in Thessalonica, and these people are like, okay, now they've come here too. But it's interesting, this was a, a, you know, in their minds, this was a bad accusation, right? In the minds of those making the accusation. It's like, this is a bad thing. But for Paul and Silas, what was it that they were doing that was turning the world upside down? And I believe that we'll see in the passage that it was a good thing that they were doing. And I believe that by God's power and by the preaching of his word, you can and should turn your world upside down for Christ. And that this accusation that was made against these men here in this passage is an accusation that we would want to be made against us as well. That we have turned the world upside down for Christ. And so the question is, how do we turn the world upside down? And what was it that these men were doing that caused this accusation to be made against them. So first of all, this morning, there, there's two things that I think we're going that I think believe that I believe turn the world upside down, and that I see in this passage, not only in this passage but in the subsequent passages in the previous passages. But it's the preaching of the truth. So first of all, this morning, how can you turn the world upside down? It's by the preaching of the truth. And these men were faithfully. Going from town to town, if you go all the way back to, to chapter 14, they're in Iconium and they're preaching. Um, they go on and they preach in Lystra later down in chapter 14 and verse 21. And in Derby, and Paul is stoned there, even stoned to death. And then, I, I, but it doesn't stop him. He does go back to Jerusalem. He reports to the people there in Jerusalem, the church there. This is what's been going on. God has been saving Jews and Gentiles. Then he goes on. ...on his next missionary journey... ...and he takes Silas with him... ...and they go back to Derby and Lystra... ...and preach again... ...they go to Philippi and they preach... ...and that's where the story of the Philippian jailer happens... ...so he's thrown in jail... ...for preaching there in Philippi... ...and so then he leaves Philippi... ...after being the two of them were in jail... ...and what does he do... ...he goes right to the next city... ...and he preaches in Thessalonica... ...and he's preaching in verse 2... ...as his custom was... ...in the Sabbath... ...on the Sabbath... ...in the synagogue... Verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. So what is he preaching? He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching that Jesus, the Jesus that they all knew about, right? This was not long after the time that Jesus had died and gone back to heaven. And so everyone, you know, this is not Jerusalem. This isn't even Israel. But this is northwest of Israel. These people knew 
about this famous man, Jesus, right? All these people knew. So he goes, and besides, this is a synagogue, so this is where the Jews are worshiping. So they all knew about the controversy about who Jesus was. And so Paul is coming, and he's saying that, that Jesus, the one I'm talking about here, he is Christ. Now, that's the word Messiah, okay? He is the Messiah. So this Messiah that the Jews had so long waited for, that the Old Testament had talked about for so long, the Messiah that would come and deliver them, he says, this Jesus, whom I'm talking about, that is the Messiah. And so in their mind, they're thinking, well, the Messiah was supposed to deliver us from captivity, and here we are, Jesus, the Messiah, died, and we're still in bondage. And so Paul there, he's, he's preaching, okay, this is deliverance from sin. This is spiritual deliverance that Christ has come to deliver you from. And if you're here this morning, yes, Jesus can heal you from sickness. He can help your family who is in, in financial need. Whatever the case may be. However, that is not why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross and was buried and rose again so that you could have eternal life. So that you could be forgiven from your sin. Because it's the wages of sin that is death. Right? This, this cancer or whatever sickness it is that kills here on earth, that's not eternal death, right? The wages of sin, that is what brings eternal death. And so that's what Paul is preaching. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can turn there with me if you want, I'm going to read it when I get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is writing here to the church at, at Corinth in verse 3 and 4, and he's talking about the gospel. And he says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then in verse 5 it says that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve apostles, and then he was seen by more than 500 brethren at once. And so there we have the account, Paul clearly demonstrating this is what the gospel is. And so he goes and he's giving his life, he and Silas are preaching the gospel from town to town. And that is what, the message that he's preaching about Christ, that is what was turning the world upside down. That's what was making these people upset. And, you know, ironically, the world already is turned upside down, right? The world is, you know, God, God when he created the world, every day he said, he looked back at what he, what he made and he said that it was good, right? So when God created the world in Genesis 1, he says that it was good. So then it was not upside down. It was right side up. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. And then sin enters in the world, enters the world, and now the world is turned upside down. And, you know, over the, the course of human history, here we come to 2023, and clearly, obviously, if we look around us, the world is turned upside down. I mean, just look at the news headlines and all of the, you know, even just the saying of things that are, that the Bible teaches are wrong, saying that this is good, or this is right, or let's move this direction and allow this and permit this. That's, and it's the opposite of God's word, right? The world is turned upside down. It's against God. So in a sense, the world is already turned upside down. But if the world is turned upside down, okay, follow me here, and we turn that upside down world upside down, then it's right side up, right? Okay, did, did you follow me there? Okay, if this tract is upside down, and then I turn it upside down. Some people call that turning it right side up. 
my dad would not like this illustration, but then it's no longer upside down. So the, the, the goal is to do, to preach the truth of God's word to the world that is upside down so that they can be turned right side up, right? And that's what we want to do, that we want to preach the truth. That's what the world needs. They need the message of the gospel, the message that Christ died for their sins and that he was buried and that he rose again to be able to give eternal life. And so as Paul and Silas preach this here, that is the accusation that's made against them, that they're turning the world upside down because of the message of the gospel. But I also see that it's the message of the whole Bible, okay? So it's not just, you know, let's not get overly focused on the gospel that, you know, we forget the rest of the Bible. The rest of the Bible is also important, and it backs up the gospel, right? If we just say, okay, the only thing that's important, and there are a lot of um, denominations, there are a lot of churches out there that are saying the only thing that's important is the gospel. As long as the gospel, as long as we got the gospel straight, everything else is kind of peripheral, and we, we, you know, it's not that important. But everything else in the word of God is important because it backs up the gospel. And if that's not accurate and true, then how can we believe that the gospel is true? In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So all of, all of scripture is profitable for us as Christians. So not just the gospel that's important and necessary to turn the world upside down. We, at the beginning, you know, we're looking at all these different people that turn the world upside down in different ways. And their names, some of them, you know, maybe some of you didn't know who Nimrod was or at least what he did. But a lot of their names are famous and, you know, in their field especially, they're legends, right? And they did amazing and great things and their discoveries did change the world. So how can we who are just, you know, I mean, who are we? You know, I mean, maybe some of you <laughs> are like kings I didn't know about or princes or, you know, I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody, right? And yet God desires to use me to turn the world upside down. And that's not because I'm someone great. It's not because you're someone great. But God desires to see people's lives change, people's lives turned upside down. And he wants to use us to do that work. Now, here you are this morning, and maybe you're sitting here today, and you're like, my life is still upside down. I, I haven't even been turned right side up yet. And I don't even know Christ as my Savior. And, you know, I've, I've heard before that Jesus Christ died for my sins, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do with that. Paul here, he's preaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that can save you from your sins. And the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved in the previous chapter, verse 31... Paul tells, Paul and Silas say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So if you're here this morning and you've never been saved and your life is a mess, Jesus Christ wants to turn your world upside down. 
He wants to help you. He wants to save you from your sin and set you on the path to heaven. I say set you on the path to heaven. It's not once you're saved in God's book, you're eternally sealed. So in, in, in a sense, your destination is already heaven. There's nothing that can keep you from that. It's not like a path that you're like working on to get up there. Um, so preaching the truth is the first thing this morning I want us to look at that turns the world upside down. And it's the word of God that does the work in hearts. It's not what we can do. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's the word of God that does the work in our hearts. It's not what we can say to other people. We, yes, we have to be faithful. We have to fulfill what God has told us to do with the Great Commission and go out and tell the gospel. But I do not turn people's lives upside down. This is the work that God does through his word. And it's a supernatural work. And I'm just a human, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a natural man. I'm not a supernatural being. Neither are you. So this is a work that God has to do. And God wants to use you to make a radical impact on this world through the preaching and teaching and just sharing of his word. Some of you, you know, maybe you're thinking, I'm not a preacher. Um, you know, I don't have like some Bible education or something of that sort. And, and some of you do. But um, this sharing of the truth of God's word that's going to turn the world upside down, that is not what I'm doing this morning. That's not preaching from the pulpit. Now, I mean, in a sense, it is lumped in there, okay? It's not, it doesn't exclude what I'm doing, but it isn't just like going out and standing on the street corner and preaching. That's not what I'm calling you all to do today. It's just having conversations with people in your life. Having gospel conversations with the people that you're around, that the people that God brings into your world. And when I say turn the world upside down, this isn't necessarily the broad world as we think it, right? The seven point whatever billion there are in the world, right? It's turning upside down the world that God has put you in, your workplace, the people that you meet, right? The people that God brings into your life, your family, uh, whatever the case may be, turn that world upside down. Turn, have gospel conversations with those people. Tell them the truth of God's word. And watch what God does. So don't be daunted by, okay, how am I going to go win the whole world for Christ? That's, that's impossible, right? You, you start by winning the people that God brings to you. So first, the first uh, principle this morning of turning the world upside down is to preach the truth, to share the truth of God's word. Secondly, it is to live the truth. Your lifestyle is important. Uh, you know, a lot of people have told me that they don't go to church because they see like a hypocritical type thing with the people going on in church. And I mean, the, it's the natural tendency of human nature to be hypocritical. So it's something everyone fights against. And some people go into churches looking for hypocrites so they can say, I'm not going to this church, so they can go on to go to church. But, um, People do notice when you're, what you say is not 
consistent with what you're living. And God desires for us, yes, to live godly in Christ Jesus, yes, to, to live in a way that pleases Christ, or to share the truth, I'm sorry, but he also desires for us to live in a way that is consistent with the word of God, right? Um, you know, what would, <laughs> what would anyone think of this message if after I walked down off of here, I had a conversation with somebody and I was heard, like, swearing, right? It would be like, <laughs> that guy, okay, whatever, you know? I mean, the message I just preached, even though it was from God's word, it would almost be like I just discredited everything I said because I was heard doing that, right? So, you know, it's not explicit here in the text, but I believe if, as we look at Paul's life, it was implicit that he was living in a way that was consistent with what he was preaching and teaching. Uh, you know, let's, let's look at a couple of verses here, and you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read through them rather quickly. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, But thou hast fully known my manner of life. And so Paul just clearly says to Timothy, you, you know all about my manner of life, the way I, I've been living, okay? And now, granted, Timothy was like a close disciple of Paul in a sense, and so he spent more time with him. But Paul is saying, you, you've known all about my manner of life, okay? Paul was, his life was an open book. He wasn't, you know, preaching over here and then going home and doing this. Philippians 127 says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That, conversa that word conversation is talking about lifestyle. So only let your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So as is fitting the gospel of Christ. Let your lifestyle be fitting to the gospel, to what you're, you're teaching. James 3.13 says that a Christian should show out of a good lifestyle, a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. So you're showing your good lifestyle by your good works. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, or all manner of lifestyle. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, Having your conversation, or your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, which is exactly what was happening with Paul and Silas here, right? They were speaking evil against Paul and Silas as though they were, you know, evil, wicked men. They may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So Peter is saying here, you know, have an honest, upstanding lifestyle, okay, in front of the lost, so that they're eventually, by your good works, they'll be able to glorify God. And then a couple more verses here. 2 Peter 3.11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And then speaking of wives in 1 Peter 3.1 and 2, the Bible says, Likewise, wives, be in submission to your own husbands, that if any do not obey the word, so any husbands, that is, so if, that if any husbands do not obey the word, they also may, without the word or apart from the word, be won by the conduct of the wives while they see your chaste conduct coupled with fear. 
So Peter there, he's speaking to wives and he's saying, you know, for the, the wife that is a Christian married to a man that is not, that, you know, by your submission and by your conduct, the unsaved husband, apart from the word of God, might be one to Christ just through your conduct, the way that you live, your conversation. And so the message of the gospel is vitally important. And we need to be faithful in sharing the truth of God's word if we are going to turn our world upside down for Christ. However, it is also imperative that we live in a way that is consistent with that message, that we live in a way that is consistent with the truth of God's word so that people, when they look at our lives and, you know, we're having this gospel conversation with them or we're talking to them about this verse in the Bible, they can't step back and be like, yeah, but just the other day, I like heard you talking to this guy and you said blah, 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 whatever. Um, we need to have a life that is consistent with the word of God. When we were saved, our world was turned upside down. Excuse me. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that verse clearly says, you know, that there were old things. And that's the, that's the upside down that we were before we were saved. And if you're still unsaved this morning, that's where you're living. Old things have not become new yet. You're still in the old things. You're still serving sin. You can't get victory over the sin in your life. You're, you're without Christ. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So our world, if we're saved, has been turned upside down. We've been given a new life. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So as a Christian, it's my responsibility to walk in this new life that I've been given from God. And that means living in accordance with his word, living faithfully to his word. And in doing that, I'm not saying that that's all you have to do to turn your world upside down. There are some people that would say, well, I don't ever need to speak the word of God. As long as I just live a righteous life, other people will see my life and they'll say, man, I want what that guy has. And that's true sometimes. But the Bible does tell us to share the truth, right? So these two things must go together if we're going to turn our world upside down for Christ. And, you know, these that have come here, the passage says in Acts chapter 17, these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. God has placed each Christian in here today in a specific area of service, a specific area of your life, right? You work with these, this group of people. You meet this group of people at the gas station. You meet this man, right? God has placed each Christian in here in a specific area. He has given you a specific realm, a specific world in which you are to minister. He's bringing you into contact with people that he's not bringing anyone else into contact with. That is your mission field. That is your world. That's the world that God wants you to turn upside down for him. As you go out from that, this place into that world, whether it be your workplace or here at your church, your area of ministry, you know, wherever you are this summer, your family at home, 
will those who are in that world be able to say of you that you are turning the world upside down? Whether it be your world or, or their world or like the adjacent world, the lives they see around them, will they say of you, that guy is turning the world upside down. He is really making an impact. We're ambassadors for Christ, the Bible says. Later on in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. So let's go and turn the world upside down for his name. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, if your world has never been turned back upside down so that it's right side up and that you're on your way to heaven and you know Christ is your savior, that's an important decision that you must make today. As important as all of this is, you know, for me to challenge the Christians in here to go turn their world upside down. If you're here today and your world hasn't been turned upside down, your eternal destiny, you are, you are headed to hell. And Jesus Christ is standing over here saying, come to me and I want to save you. And so call upon the Lord Jesus Christ today to be saved if you're not saved. And Christian, go turn your world upside down for Christ. Let's go ahead and close with prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you for the faithfulness of Paul and Silas. And Lord, they sacrificed their life to 